Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined by Tom Kennett. And for this episode, we're going to be taking a look at the newly released Amazon documentary, Arsenal All or Nothing. Episode three then, and the final episode of this week. Largely quite a depressing episode for Arsenal fans, to be honest, particularly with the way the episode closes out. But we start the episode with the Aston Villa game. Aston Villa at home. I quite like that Arteta's team talk was centred around the fans and it being a Friday night. And I know right from the Chelsea game this season, I think Arteta knew, to be fair, that he had to buy the support of the fans early on or it was going to be a long old ride for him. Mm. And it's a common theme in all of the team talks that he does where it's really right around getting the fans on side. And he's played football fair. manager before. Yeah. He knows it works. <laughs> a Friday night at home, that is a pretty good uh, time to get the fans on side for you. Yeah, when you decipher through a lot of the stuff he's saying in these team talks, it's nothing too uh nothing too mind blowing, is it? It's sort of to get these players going a little bit. Yeah, because you're supposed to have I, done the hard work before, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. The preparation's done and this is just a case of right, gonna be and he probably knows some of those lads probably do need sort of like geeing up a little bit. That's probably that's part of his job. So Yeah, the we end this kind of match with Ramsdale pissed off that he doesn't get a clean sheet. I did like how he did seem genuinely gutted and fuming about it, which there was some of this stuff you sort of think like is he sort of playing up a bit? There was no acting here. He was genuinely human. Yeah, because you can see, I mean, Arteta's loving it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he then, just kind of stands back and like, I'm going to let him do the work. <laughs> and then Edu comes in and says, look, relax, man. Wins are hard to come by around here. <laughs> Hang on a minute. You get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's about you. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of like, read the room, boss. You know, yeah. we're, trying to, we're trying to create some standards in. He's got, hey, look, you don't have to win games, lads. It's all right. I rewound it because um, Gabrielle is the first person to walk past him in the dressing room. And I thought he said fuck off to him first as he walks past. <laughs> and he doesn't. He, that would have been incredible. I can't work out what he says, but it definitely isn't that. Um, I think he off. says, I'm pissed off, I think is what he says. Yeah, yeah. I think that rings a bell, actually. But it makes sense because, what, two games later, we've got the Everton game. And he says there, doesn't he? It it could be for 1-1 one, one, and then it's a nervy 10 minutes. And it's the same thing what, for the Everton game, which we're going to get to. It's no one closing the man down and he's able to bang it. And so it's literally the exact same thing. So Ramsdale was spot on. Yeah, he called it, didn't he? Um, I think it was important he did because I'm not sure anyone else looked like they were going to. So it was important that he said it. I'm not sure anyone... See, because you basically got away with it, it was kind of like, I don't think anyone else would have had an issue. Whereas he was like, no, 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 this is going to obviously cause a problem down the line. And I think he pointed out in one of the earlier episodes that there's more pressure on it. This is the most pressure he's ever felt on him. He's playing at the biggest club. And we've obviously had a lot of conversation around him at this point. Um, The clean sheets have started to come in. He's unbeaten. And I'm sure he wants every last one he can get as a keeper should be. And Arteta's really been driving home in training. But clean sheet, clean sheet, clean sheet. It's nothing revolutionary, but 
I'm not surprised he was irritated because I remember even as a fan, there was never a doubt really other than this little split second thought that goes through your head that Villa were going to turn it around. It was such a dominant performance. Mm. But I do remember being pissed off. Oh, well, that's just kind of ruined it now. Ruined it. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it soon went out of my head. But just in the moment, it was like, oh, well, that's kind yeah. of everything was so perfect before that. And I loved seeing those little sit downs, the little briefings that they had after games where he's saying, look, 16 shots, nothing there. But you can see that we were different in the second half. And I meant to bring it up in the Spurs game, something I thought was really interesting. He says at halftime in the Spurs game, look, you've got them where you want them now. You need to you need to kill them. You need to go out there and kill them and seize the opportunities. When the whole conversations we were having around Arteta was that we were taking these leads and then we were getting in the dressing room and he was telling them to shut up shop. Mm. And we really, we were seeing the complete opposite. So it was the players that weren't following through with his instructions. Now, he wasn't being too tactical in how to do that while in the clip that we saw. No. But at least he, he wasn't actively telling them, drop 10 yards, that's the way we're going to do it. In fact, he was telling them to push up even when we were 2 nil down against Chelsea. So I thought that was an interesting part of it. Yeah, probably more with the players tensing up rather than it being a direct instruction from the manager. Yeah. The flip side to that, obviously, is he's going to have to be able to communicate that better to them then because it's not happening. Do you know what I mean? So it's a double-edged sword. So you can go, if this is a deliberate tactical ploy, what is he doing? I have to if go it's not, season, why is he strategy. able to? Yeah, it's true. true. Bring on Rob Holding, basically. <laughs> <laughs> you see, you did an interview recently, Rube. It's like, look, it's all... It's all of, fun and a laugh but I don't want to be known as the fight with the bat defender <laughs> I've got bad news for you Rob if you don't yeah. want to it's, it's a move and it's not, he says not I've seen a lot of, he said I've seen a lot of centre bats come and go during my time here so I must be doing something right <laughs> you stick with that one Rob um, I'm just a thing stuck with me at, at this point of the episode the Ramsdale reaction and also Nuno Tavares has done filthy in this episode because they build this man up to really shoot him down. Yeah, he's the next man I've got. <laughs> like in that same, it's a tough episode off, for the guy. They say he's off the charts, don't they, in, in terms of his uh, numbers. You forget, like, that start of it, you thought, oh, Arsenal got a player on their hands here. It was in a season where false positives become a thing, he is the original false positives. It's such yeah. a false storm. This guy might be a weapon. And it's, oh... Yeah, I, by, the I wasn't, the, by the end of the episode, you're thinking, is he ever, ever going to play for the club again? Yeah, I. you can go back and check, and I wasn't in on this debate, but there was a legit debate as to should it be Tierney or should it be Tavares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, the next thing we have in this episode is Nuno and Laka talking about Ikea. <laughs> I've, I've noted down it. Any remorse over your Laka slander? Because he does seem like a really nice guy. Who, over Lacazette? He seems like a nice yeah, fella. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, he does. Which I didn't think was ever in doubt, to be fair. But then I've seen his preseason clips in Marseille and the bloke's moving around like he's 19 again. <laughs> so he's clearly just not been bothered for, for the last couple of months. <laughs> or is there something in the water over there? Imagine if he has, a, he ends up on that like Lukaku diet, and next thing you know, Lack has got like abs and everything. You're like, if he, what happened? If he's saying that, I'm going, or I'm putting posters up around France saying Farmers League because I'm not letting that lie. <laughs> By the way, within this, 
Does Xhaka turn up to train in a smart car? Did I see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was... I think he's trying sure. to reinvent his image. Like, look, I'm just he's, your everyday guy. Like, he's doing a good job because it's the sort of the comedy character is working. Are you surprised that Laka can walk around IKEA without being stopped? If Saka can't go to Waitrose, Lacazette said yeah. he was going with his mum once a month, and she would stop he, and look at everything. That man loves IKEA. Yeah, I can believe it. Just hearing Nuno refer to IKEA when he his English is okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bear in mind, he's in parts of this. Obviously, he's speaking um, in um, well, speaking Spanish to. Um, because he's speaking to, um, what's it, Cuesta, isn't he? What's yeah. That? I've got his, uh, I think he first... speaks Carlos, yeah. I think in that bit he's speaking Spanish, but yeah, he's obviously Portuguese, isn't he? I think he yeah. must. I only say this because I put the subtitles on and it said in, in Spanish, oh, okay. so I'm, I'm taking it from that. And because um, Arteta speaks to him yeah. in Spanish as well. I don't think Arteta speaks Portuguese, I don't want... but he's speaking fluently, so I took it to be Spanish. The, uh, he does actually speak see... Portuguese. He speaks to uh, Martinelli and oh, okay. Gabriel. Yeah. Nice. The... Um, I just noted down with that cost um, question. I wouldn't want to be cornered by him because that man seems to like love an interrogation. But when he speaks to him, he's like looking into their soul. He'd be sort of like um, the drunk guy who sort of like just starts asking for your life story and be like, "We don't get along. We're not. We're not that good friends, mate. What do you want?" <laughs> when he, he sits down and talks to them, he's one of them. Where if you read up about him, he has like the pretty classic origin story for what you would hear of. I guess for like one of these top class coaches of that he asked to coach at whatever club it was. And they said, no. And he said, well, can I coach whatever age group? And he kept going down and then proved himself at like the under 14s and they turned their season around. It's all stuff like this, but he seems like a good man manager. And I remember there being, it just seems so intense in his conversations. But it does show how things can look different from the outside and in, because I remember coming on here and in a rant about Arteta, I said he was just employing all these young coaches because they were yes men and they couldn't yeah, be the best yeah. people for the job. And I, there may still be an element of that to it, but he does seem like he's has everything on lock. And I think there's a quote from Saka in there where he says it helps because he can relate to the players because he's younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's 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 only in his twenties. That guy. Like early twenties, I think. I think actually, it's, it's um, Savarez who says it after because he has a chat with. Yeah, him, yeah, that's and he he's asking him. <laughs> he's asking Savarez, basically, why is why sometimes you're good and why sometimes you're so bad. <laughs> and he was like, well, I don't really have an answer for you. If I knew that, I wouldn't be doing it. <laughs> he's kind of just asking. Oh, I just don't understand how you can be so good and so bad at times. Like, yeah, I'm trying to work it out as well, mate. He's 27. Actually, I just had a look, but even still, that's young for a coach when you think Very, he's been there three yeah, years yeah. now. Um, but I thought that was interesting because he's the one, it was actually his Albert Stoivenberg that was grilling Smith Rowe. I thought he was, um, an in- obviously we only really see that from him, don't we? we don't see anything else, do we? But I thought he's, that was an interesting clip. He's the one that worked with Moyes at Everton. He worked with Giggs in way at Wales. Like he's been around the block, like he's been everywhere. And I'm assuming I think- that- had Steve Round as well. Was he the similar sort of thing? Steve, unless I've got them confused, but Stoivenberg was definitely in. Uh, Stoivenberg was definitely in a Wales. Maybe it was Round uh, Everton then. Round was the two crossed Moises, over. Isn't it, I think. Yeah, because yeah. I remember seeing that uh, Stoivenberg. I thought that was an interesting clip. Like you said, he was getting a real grilling, wasn't he? And then 
I remember watching the clips of Steve Brown thinking, I have no idea if you're a good coach or not at the end of this. <laughs> because on, on one of the bits, he just throws like um, a rhetorical question about It's about Nuno, actually. He's going, uh, Arteta's like, stood there and he's like, you know, will he be able to recover from this or not? <laughs> and, and you think Arteta's probably thinking, well, you're, you're my coach. Maybe you could let me know. You're probably a bit more closer to this. Trying to read Nuno, though, to be fair. Yeah, I know, but it's the everybody else can probably ask that question. The coach probably can't go, well, look, I just don't know if he's going to respond yeah. to this one. It's like he's like working on like match and day presenting or something. Well, it spun me out because um, you'll have heard an Irish voice in one of the um, like radio clips they play. And it's from a podcast that I listen to. Right. And I just had these visions of after three games and my voice comes on and he's like, we've got this pig up front. He's not scored after three games. <laughs> <laughs> and it just appearing in the episode. I mean, maybe it will in the later ones. You just saying what he's eating on the bench. <laughs> you just li- listed on He's on a boost bar and they pan to <laughs> him and he's just sneaking it. If he had like a, in the in the style of when they did it with Ramsdale about these really really serious tweets like threatening his life and they've just got and they're just they're just calling me fat <laughs> just saying how much I'm eating. I will say the the boost bar the the moment I thought of that before making a joke I think that was my like eureka moment. Well, this is this is this is it. This is the one because <laughs> like, as I said, the Lisandro material is running short in the barbers on uh, Tuesday. No pun intended. Talking about football, and he's gone there. Uh, yeah, because who have United signed? And I said, yeah, oh, they've signed that uh, tiny centre back. Um, he goes to Fort Park. He can't get any of the rides. And I got a laugh. And I said, I heard he sleeps in a shoebox. Crickets. You got overconfident, didn't you? <laughs> you got ahead of yourself. I did, uh, and I went, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing him against a tall guy. Um, <laughs> You did the love party in I had, I had to just no, get no, in. No, but seriously, no, it's going to be good fun to see him against a six foot four striker. Yeah, I, yeah, just, sure, sure. I, I just couldn't let the silence lie. I thought, I'm going to have to break this myself. <laughs> Personal pride. <laughs> you had to. Yeah, so, I, at one point with the Lagazette thing, I thought we, we, were gonna, we were going to go on a sort of um, Shaq and Charles Barkley style thing where I was just going to ask you and uh, what about those women in San Antonio then what, what were you saying about what was he eating on the bench this week like, well they do rolls. they do say after the Villa game it doesn't it's like and obviously Lacaraz cramp he's not he's not used to uh, putting in that much of an effort <laughs> oh, hang on a minute I should hope he is used to putting in a bit more of an effort yeah from recollection I don't remember thinking oh wow Lacazette's ran like you know well, there, an extraordinary thing, amount here. there was a thing for a while about look how much this guy runs because around the time of the Villa game he's actually benched Erdegaard and mm. Arteta brought in this kind of 4-4-1-1 formation like it was 2007 and we had uh, Saka and Smith Rowe were almost playing deeper as like proper 4-4-2 wingers and then you had Lacazette in the 10 behind Aubameyang briefly yeah, yeah, yeah. and there was a real thing about look, this guy's playmaking and is running. And when you think that was Erdegaard, that the guy that runs more than anyone in the team and the guy that passes better than anyone in the team was being benched, it it reads horribly, but the results were coming in. It is funny when a manager does something like that and then kind of lucks into 
only guy coming back into the team, really. Yeah. And he's like, oh, okay, I, I clearly fucked this up. Well, they were, <laughs> they were the questions, weren't they? Like, had, had Arsenal made a mistake in buying him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for, for sure. Time, especially because I think Madison must probably scored in the same weekend and it was like, uh, and I still think £85 million or whatever it was they were asking for for Madison. He doesn't hit 20 goals for us and assist like he did in that Leicester team where a lot were in the Conference League, to be fair. Um, Even then, he ended up having to sort of get cooking down the stretch. Yeah. For most of the season, you weren't. I don't think you were looking at this thinking Arsenal had missed out here. No, I'm wondering if we're going to see more from Odegaard. Because I think I think so. I think from what Ramsdale says, he doesn't speak much, but when he speaks, everyone listens, and that feels like it is probably accurate based on what what we've seen. I don't think he's going to be shouting at everyone. No, you've barely heard anything from him at this point, have we? No. Have you watched the overlap yet? By the way. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Never laughing to be pulled up when he's saying Zinchenko is their leader. He's the captain of Ukraine. He's like, <laughs> oh well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you think he's going to... Which left-back in a game that's going against you suddenly turns the tide and everything <laughs> changes? <laughs> the hell is that bloke on? The, uh, the incredible thing about the overlap this time was just that Neville would just make a point and quite literally, I can't remember what point it was he made. He said, I don't know why I've said that. So the last, what, two minutes you've just said something were basically meaningless. You basically just undermined your yeah, entire he point. Looked, he looked fuming the whole time. Uh, we've referenced already Saka talking about Thorpe Park. You want to take your girl there? How the hell is he getting around Thorpe Park? Yeah, but I always yeah, see there's like celebrity things there. Is there things where celebrities just it's just like booked out for celebs for the day? Because I can't. I mean, there's definitely not the same attention when the Love Islanders and that go around there. But <laughs> it must be a thing. Like you see famous people at Thorpe Park quite a bit. It's weird, isn't it? I I've often thought that if you're a footballer or a celebrity one. Everyone kind of has this thing of hiding away. I kind of think there's a, there's an odd sort of if you were to get out more the novelty of this would wear off to the point where people seeing you out and about would not become the thing it is. No. But you but you are right obviously. Somewhere like Thorpe Park it would if you were in and As, around like in your area. Yeah because presumably you're not going to get a Thorpe Park every day. No, <laughs> yeah. I, a guy I went to Arsenal with before said um, that his brother used to live by Abue. Yeah, and he said yeah, yeah. Abue would just come down on a Saturday or Sunday, whichever day they weren't playing in the afternoon, and he'd just watch like the kids' games or the men's games or whatever was on in the park. And he just he was quite lonely, so he'd just sit around on his own and watch the games, but just chat to people. Nice. And so it wasn't a thing because he did that all the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. I imagine it's Maybe... Just, Maybe Sack is reminiscing of a time when he went to football when he was a kid. <laughs> yeah, he probably <laughs> yeah. can't now. Um, I thought it was interesting. There's a chat that Edu has in this segment where he's speaking to one of the coaches about how Arteta was getting better with the players. Yeah. Because that was a thing, wasn't it, that we were discussing on here whether he could be too cold and whether it would rub mm. people up the wrong way. Yeah. And it does seem as the episodes go on that he is getting closer to the players. He's even just a bit more touchy-feely with them, patting them on the back and all of this and making jokes and just all of that. I, I did also think that that smacked of kind of... Um, if you were younger, did you ever like... I don't know, if you'd been around, I don't know, like maybe like a grandparent's house or something and they were like speaking about you right in front of you. <laughs> yeah. You know what? He's been good as gold today. He's been absolutely... Like, I'm right here. Arteta is just over there, I do. I mean, and he's got, oh, he's doing well, isn't he? Oh, he's doing well. 
Uh, what I think, I keep saying it, but I think we've discussed it before in that how well Arteta does here, I think if he goes, Edu's coming down with him. So it's in Edu's best interests for this to go the way of uh, Arteta as well. Someone to look out for. Edu, when like you... anyone who finds himself in middle management knows, look, yeah. <laughs> I've got to survive somehow. He's when... going to make you feel useful about it. When you see Josh Kroenke in the stands, there's a partially balding bloke you're constantly seeing next to him. His name's Tim Lewis, and he's basically okay. the Kroenke lawyer. And right. after Raul Sanyehi was sacked, let go, whatever you want to call it, he's basically sent to just hang around Arsenal. And so they've given him a seat on the board, and he's basically like the Cronkies inside man. And so he just looks around and just checks everything going on. And I think he does the contracts as well, but you'll see him just kind of lurking around. Like the Grim Reaper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, they say if someone gets sat now, it's probably going to come from him making a recommendation to the Cronkies. Oh God. Like he's the guy on the inside that's look, the players aren't feeling this anymore. Blah, blah, blah. They wouldn't have come, they wouldn't have come to him directly. If I know anything from what I've seen of, Edu and the likes, they will be buttering that man up. (laughs) They do not mind being a sycophant at all. There was the thing with Uno Embry where he brought David Luiz in, and David Luiz went to Edu and said, you need to sack this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Him and William. Actually, it wasn't William. Uh, William was an after, so it was him and... uh... How much more betrayal could that man take? (laughs) All right, so we've got to Leicester away at this point. Now, I almost couldn't look while watching <laughs> no, this. No. I knew this was coming, and that's just, oh, oh, God. <laughs> and I'm sure I remember this being a thing at primary school. And it was basically, you rub your hands together, and then it was, look, can you feel this? And the, we would be told, you can feel almost like a bubble. You can feel a bubble of energy here, and it's all of us together. And the teacher would be saying this. Now, well, this is exactly what he does. Yeah, I've, I've never heard of this, but it, it didn't it didn't help. I was still no. couldn't watch. Well, I wonder what was happening when he said, I want everyone to close your eyes here and I'm going to tell you how the game's going to go. And I thought, OK. <laughs> I tensed up immediately. I was like, oh, no, 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 Mikel. And then, it, I mean, Harry Kane was doing the same in the Spurs one. If you just chuck a couple of F-bombs into whatever you're saying, it just shows passion. So you're going to fucking tackle someone. You're going to fucking get in here. You're going to fucking do that. And I'm, whoa, <laughs> I'm fired up here. Um, so you hear all this, and then I need you to hold hands and feel the energy between you. <laughs> Just... <laughs> oh, God. And the majority of them keep a straight face. Other than Erdegaard, who I think doesn't hold Ramsdale's hand, he's clearly <laughs> what the fuck are we doing here? He's drawing a line. And then, I mean, we can talk about the game in a second, but after the game, when you hear a megaphone suddenly, and it's a Bamiyang saying, I'd just like to say a few words if it's okay with Mikel. He looks and he's like, if you could just all close your eyes and put your hands together. <laughs> that was a genuinely hilarious moment. And even Arteta breaks, even Arteta breaks. And he... <laughs> Arteta's laugh, yeah, it was fantastic at that. And probably showed a side to him, I probably wasn't sure he had, like, I'd been able to laugh at himself, which I, I did. I really like because it was very much a kind of one, two, three, you're back in the room sort of thing. Mikel seemed like he was trying to do. I, uh, it, well, the two things just feel also a little bit inconfident, like you said, where it's kind of like, well, we're going to fucking get into them yeah. whilst you're holding hands with the guy next to you. <laughs> I'm not sure this is, these two messages quite work. Well, there's a couple of things. The, the first is that 
I think far more things like this do happen around the Premier League. And yeah, just it's hilarious in trying to. It's hilarious trying to imagine, I don't know, like someone like Conte trying to do this. Can you imagine? Conte instead, what was it? He had boxing gloves on it into him and Lukaku. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I can definitely see uh, uh, Brendan feels a cheap a cheap out oh, here. Brendan, for sure. We know it from the not quite Liverpool documentary that was obviously nothing as big as this, but we saw plenty from him. Can I see Hart and Hootle doing something? I can see Hart and Hootle doing something weird. <laughs> I'm not saying they're holding hands, but I mean, the majority probably aren't holding hands, but I'm sure it's ultimately you're doing anything you can to gain an edge. And if it works for two players and they're the two players that score the goals, I even think, um, Arteta sorry. may say it works in that they get that joker after the game and everyone's bonding together on that. And I wouldn't put that past him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the classic management, and this isn't in football, any management thing about like, well, look, if they all bond because they're laughing at me or because they hate me, hey, look, I've, I've managed to get them together, haven't I? So yeah. I'm not sure that's what you were aiming for here, but all right, we'll go with it. The uh, I think probably the uh, one of the things, I'll tell you, it's very, it's clear he wants it to be sort of fresh each time, so he's looking for something different each time, Yeah, which I get. I think when if it becomes obvious that you're just trying to do something different every game, the players will eventually see through that. I'd be like, well, I what guess are you doing? there's a couple of games there and we probably just don't see the... Yeah. I think, as a thing for the wider managerial thing, I don't think they're going to be... I don't think there'll be many quite as in on Arteta as somebody's speech, somebody's stuff. But I think the things like the photographer giving a speech or whatever, I think are probably pretty commonplace. I think a manager would go, I'm going to get this coach, this whatever say a few words here just so it's a different voice i absolutely believe uh pretty much all managers probably do that for sure well it's like the dunk contest after you've used your first dunk and it's like what else have you got in the locker to try and save yourself here and arteta for this period i guess he's feeling like he's got to save himself every week so. <laughs> it definitely comes across like that it he's in his box of tricks like, every time like a man that's going right he's kind of like he's reading a book so like, what, what what else have we got what else can i try were you surprised we didn't get a full deep dive on the Aaron Ramsdale save? At I did wonder. Yeah, because when, when I saw Madison line up for a kick, I was like, does he paint? No, no, it's the save, isn't it? Because they <laughs> made a thing of it, didn't they? And even mm. on uh, they show, I think it was Stoivenberg, say, you can't fucking give away a free kick there. And then the save, and that was it. <laughs> there was nothing of it. Yeah, yeah, I did think they were going to make far more of a far more of a thing of it than they did. I'm pretty sure they showed did. semen at pitch side as well. Pardon the pun. Yeah, I was going to say, this is, <laughs> this, there's kids watching this. The, um, did you, uh, maybe I'm really, really, uh, really into this. As much as I've just said, it showed a, a good side to Arteta and he laughed at himself, whatever. Do you think Aubameyang even just having that small laugh does just put just a small grain of doubt in Arteta's head of just the, uh, but all these other guys are at least going along with it and buying into it. I think I'm not entirely sure if this guy does. I think there's probably when they're having the discussion, and when Arteta says in next week's episodes, as a club, we've had a discussion. I imagine he brought the idea upstairs to say, I'm going to do this, just so yeah. you know, can we clear this? So I don't think it was a group thing. I don't imagine it was on his list of this is why 
no, I'm no, taking no. the captaincy off him. But if he was if compiling a, a list, doubt. yeah, if he was compiling a list of reasons why you should take it off him, then it may be in the back of his head, even if it doesn't make it to the sheet of paper, where he's just thinking about it. I think because we don't really see an awful lot wrong from Aubameyang at this point in here. I just think it does look like he's quite clearly probably one of the only ones in the dressing room that Arteta can't really mould. It look even, and I think they do make a point of doing it in the documentary, which is a bit unfair because players prepare however they prepare for a game. But they do make Aubameyang quite individual in that going into that in, in the North London derby one, for example, where it is very much he's on his own in his own space. I actually all the players up. Yeah. But they make a big point of showing yeah. him, I thought, was was quite telling. And I wonder if they are trying to show that look, this guy's kind of his own character, whereby these younger players, Arteta can kind of mould them a little bit more and he's more comfortable with that. I still don't think we're going to find out much more next week. No, I, I suspect you may be right. But I think it'll be something along the lines of, I think <clears throat> I think next week's... <coughs> oi, oi. Yeah, he's breaking think, like the photographer. Yeah. He's gonna start crying. Yeah, I think next week's um, he may just turn up late or something, and then it, they'll I, do a he's not here yeah, yet, and then I they'll just roll right. it from there, and they'll I say right. because of previous discrepancies and which does feel a bit shortchanged. It depends. Oh, you what for us as as fans as the viewer? For, for only... a, okay, okay, yeah. Because as you're doing these camera things, this is one of the things that you'd be looking at. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of, if you had a film and every sort of death scene was just referenced, we never actually saw someone get killed. You'd be like, hang on a minute. My only thinking is that I think if it does come out, we'll know about it first because I think the press are seeing the episodes first. And so that's a killer. whether it's the mail or the mirror or even the athletic had a big piece of everything we've learned from the all or nothing. It's like, well, can you not? Can you just wait? Yeah. Well, we can learn by watching it because you're not sending us anything new. Which is what, what's supposed to be happening. I think even if it's not in the title, we'll see something along the lines of why Arteta was ultimately axed from Arsenal. And so we'll know that it's going to be in there. But I, I think it'll be kind of skirted around. I, I have a feeling we're not going to see too much. At least that's what I gather from what we've seen so far that we're maybe not going to get as much of the dirt as I guess I wasn't hoping for the club to be embarrassed but I was at least hoping to see the context behind some of these things and just some of what has been missed out already does make me question and let's face it, the the level of access we had in the City and Spurs even if they were sort of quite well polished for the clubs it was still like oh god I'm surprised they've shown us some of this so you were kind of hoping for a bit of us, but I do think... I think we'll get some. Like, yeah, yeah, they'll give you enough that they can sort of say that we gave you it, but it's... Uh, they're PR savvy, aren't they? On the I'm sure we're going to get the, we're going to get the dressing room after the Spurs game, after the Newcastle game. We're going to get all... It, well, I mean, we're going to get shown Arteta telling the team the captaincy's been stripped and all of these things, that Cedric and Lacazette scrapping in training. So I'm sure we're going to get some. Um, what else do we have? So Tierney, we get a bit more on Tierney this episode. I yeah wasn't. I knew that in terms of his mates, I gather they're quite close to the English speakers at the club. So you got Ramsdale, Holding, was Callum Chambers. I know Holding. Uh, Tierney's best mates were 
chambers and holding, basically. Okay. And so I did wonder where he lived, who he lived with. I just assumed he lived on his own. But C lives with the chef was not, <laughs> not what I expected. Just a Smith Scottish chef. You can learn from that. Was his personal chef. And then I don't know if he got him a job at the club or, or what. Yeah. That's hard work. He cooks for him and then gets home in the afternoon and then cooks him tea after as well. Yeah, it's a bit of an unbalanced friendship, isn't it? Someone, someone's doing I can, a lot I couldn't tell. How, I couldn't work out how old he was. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Early thirties, you reckon? He seemed a decent, just a little bit older than Tierney, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, I, I did just like the idea that they just put. Look, we're going to need a Scottish guy for him. <laughs> Can you get one down here for us? <laughs> when Tierney said, "Yeah, my mum says he's good for me," and he's, "Oh, I'm getting a tear. I'm getting a tear on my ear." <laughs> Tierney's like, "I don't speak much, but when I speak, you know, it's from the heart." <laughs> Tierney uh, spoke like he'd moved, I don't know, to the other side of the world <laughs> rather than... To be fair, uh, I, I do remember there being quite a big thing about how he lived this nice, quiet life in Scotland where he was still going down the park in an evening having a kickabout with his mates and he... It did seem like... a clear um, player for Celtic. He wasn't being that harassed. Like, Yeah, it seemed like it was a hard for him to pull away from Scotland from Celtic but obviously Arsenal is Arsenal so he could not I don't think there was ever much doubt that it was going to happen I also but, think his injury record prompted the move like it, his career wasn't going to get any longer for sure I mean and then this scene in this bit where we have an entire medical staff going around and basically scratching their head about turning his injury yeah. <laughs> look lads You've all far more qualified than me, but I could tell you the answer to this. Well, it seems a fairly simple one for me because they're discussing Tierney wants to get back in training already on Thursday, but he's not finished his recovery yet. Yeah. yeah. That feels he, fairly cut and dried. Like, well, well, With almost any player, but certainly one with his injury record. Air on the side of caution, maybe, gents? Arteta was asked about it today um, with why to him and Tommy Asu keep getting the same recurring injuries. And he says, well, I think last season... Um, the squad wasn't best prepared and so we had to keep calling on them and they were always asking to come back and fight for the team and that essentially says to me Tierney and Tomiyasu were looking at Cedric and Tavares and going fuck me I need to get back in here if I want to be playing Champions <laughs> League next year and so by doing As that was the manager <laughs> yeah they just aggravated the same injuries and injuries Rough. That would be some great unfiltered honesty, wouldn't it, for a lot of if you just gone, yeah. well, look, have you seen what else? I'm not going to play these other guys. Yeah. You've got to play these two. And then it was quite depressing, wasn't it? He was talking about losing his mates and struggling with depression when he first came to Arsenal. Now, now this is, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking to be dark here, but does he say four mates? I thought, said a, I thought he said a few mates, but even I still. Thought I thought he said four friends. It may, it may well have been. Is, I mean, that's dark. Yeah. Um, I know it won't have helped because he references, doesn't he, that it's harder when he doesn't have the routine when he's injured, which particularly for him, I imagine, is a struggle. But he was injured when he first joined Arsenal. So he was injured yeah, for yeah. about six months or whatever it was when he first joined. His first game was uh, in the Europa League group stage. That's not till nearly the end of the year. Um, so I imagine he probably did struggle with it because he was with Bellerin, was who he was mates with when he first joined, and then Bellerin gets shipped off. So he probably did struggle, to be fair, but it seems happy enough now. I, I have no delusion that he's going to be a lifelong Arsenal player. 
I do think he'd be the captain now if he if his injury record wasn't as bad as it was. Yeah, 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 I think so. Uh, I think as soon as he gets a good patch of form, I think someone may well, come with, at some point. With this, may, maybe not the point. I don't know if you see him massively in a leadership role in the episodes we've seen so far. I don't know about you. Well, he's he's not even been playing, has he? He's been he's been away from the team almost the whole thing so far. Yeah, you see him in. He's in there with. Uh, does he play the North London Derby? Because he's he's fucking right in the middle of the celebrations. If he doesn't, yeah, he does. He yeah, a, yeah, he does have a kit on. Yeah, I just I just wondered if to, yeah before that game you might see him sort of uh, giving it some. But obviously he does say that I'm pretty quiet and I speak when I need to. So yeah, I think because Arsenal did it, and I think a lot of clubs did it um, during the COVID games, where you'd mic up one player. Hmm. And they mic'd him up and he was quite good at kind of in-game management. And so I imagine he's more like that. I think in the dressing room, I don't think he's going to do a great rousing speech. But I imagine he's just got quite short, sharp humour from what I see. He does seem a great guy. Yeah. I think it's it's the most likeable Arsenal team there's been in a very long time for me. In the, Oh, for sure. I mean, the main, even the main players I dislike, like because of their ability it's not because i don't like like i've got no real issue with cedric as a bloke like i just don't want to see him playing right back for my football club whereas well once upon a time you had players who didn't have the required quality and had a fucking dreadful attitude yeah, so, stuffy, i don't yeah. know what you're you know yeah. what are you about um i thought it was interesting from Tavares as well just in the fact that they do have an understanding of what the fans are like. And I always wondered if that transmitted across, but he, Nuno says, I know the fans love KT, but it's my job to try and keep him out of the team. And I just didn't, particularly for Nuno, who seems quite withdrawn from it. I wondered how he would know who the fans prefer. I wondered in that bit whether there was just uh, an assumption that uh, English, or in this case, Scottish player would be preferred. I, I just wondered if as a foreign player, you would assume that if I went to a Portuguese team, I would assume the Portuguese player was more popular. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I, he, I know what you mean. He probably isn't getting that from the fans. I think the players will probably talk enough amongst themselves that you probably gain an understanding, I reckon. It is a whole thing as well. I know it obviously happens that the most inconvenience I get is when a player doesn't settle on football manager. And I always look at it then as being a pretty pathetic thing while acknowledging that myself, I wouldn't be able to do it and move away to a foreign country. I mean, I wouldn't be able to play football like that. But <laughs> the whole thing of, I can see how it would be such a huge thing, particularly when you're moving without your family or anything like that. And we do kind of just take that for granted. It's a pretty brutal one that we, in this country, really don't consider the language barrier at all, I think. Because we just go to other yeah. countries and just insist on speaking our own language. <laughs> we we don't... Yeah. And people are, in other countries, are good enough as sort of English being their second language that we can get by. You don't, you know, imagine if you had to walk the streets here yeah. and you only really spoke Portuguese. You'd be in a world of trouble. You've got no chance. Um. The last two things we get in the episode, we've got the Liverpool game and the Everton game. The Liverpool one, we get this whole thing with Arteta saying he has a great idea. And this, he's is like the, uh, this is the horse's head scene. Where he's <laughs> kind of like, oh God, it's coming, it's coming. He's going to set up these speakers around and he's going to play the Anfield crowd to get the players 
acknowledging or in in the headspace of what they're going to be in for at Anfield. Now, this isn't a new thing. Teams in England have acknowledged that they've done this for Anfield and other some of the lower like Palace yeah. and things like that before. We just haven't had to sit. We haven't had to sit and watch that previously. <laughs> that is, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. And it's say isn't normally set against the backdrop of a few speeches that have, that David Brent would probably go. Oh, I'm not sure well, if you should be doing them. Arteta walks up to someone as to the image. a groundsman or something, and he says, "I've had a great idea." <laughs> you could you can almost see the old the old guys go. Oh no! Oh goes, no! Not again! He goes. Oh, that's quite a good idea, actually. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching that. <laughs> Yes, again, less of a surprise. Less of a surprise. Come on. In, I can't wrap my head around how that would ever help because for me, I'm like, well, I know I'm not Anfield. It's very much like a, how do you replicate the penalty shootout scenario, isn't it? It's like, yeah. you can't really do this. The other question that doesn't seem to be addressed was the whole session done with that plane? Because you see, you see any him sort look. on a loop gets annoying. That yeah. would be tough. He looks and asks to turn it down and when I first read the caption, I thought it's just going to be the song You'll Never Walk Alone just playing. So I was relieved that it was a crowd doing it, but yeah, mm. it's still rough. They, the whole thing sounds like it was based around Arteta being traumatized by one game he had at Anfield, and he's just <laughs> inflicting that on the rest of the team. He's passed his trauma on. So let me tell you. That was music to my ears listening to talk about getting run over. Uh, that was well. He says oh, he says he fantastic. he says he quit, didn't he? And he hid. Yeah, he said the only time in his career that basically that he got flattened. This is this is lovely because there is a thing, and I've said this recently, and it always gets pushed back on by Liverpool fans. <laughs> Anfield isn't like that every single game, every single week. Nor no. should it be. No, no. Nor should it no. be. And there is this thing of what's the best atmosphere in the league? And I'll take it personally because ours is always right on the bottom. And I think all the people voting at this, I've not been to Sellers Park. I've not been to Goodison Park. So I don't know <laughs> yeah. who does who does these polls. And also it, it's a relatively subjective thing. It's a hard thing to quantify. I know I know they've got a thing like you know, noise levels or whatever that they measure, but it's, again, very, very difficult to measure that. Yeah. And so with this... For a game, Arsenal-Liverpool, no doubt, the atmosphere is going to be like that. I would say that the game I went to, it was you never walk alone with Sang, and then it was nothing else other than the goals. But that was a game against West Ham, so there was no yeah. real rivalry to it or anything. The weird, I find it weird that um, one people would push back on you suggesting that like some games aren't bigger than others. But on the flip side, I do find some people being shocked by that quite strange why, why doesn't it sound like it does on a European night when they're 3-0 down to Barcelona when we're playing at Swansea in the League Cup like, yeah well I think you've probably answered your own question haven't you I, I said this last the last season because Arteta was questioned after one of the games uh, I think it was a draw with Burnley nil-nil at the Emirates and he said, look, the crowd have been really good for you the last couple of weeks. It, it didn't feel like it was quite like that today. And Arteta said, well, we have to give them something to shout about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I could say it word for word, as I've said on here before. 
the the level of the game and the fear of the game and everything does go into creating that atmosphere. The atmosphere for Arsenal playing Burnley should not be the same as Arsenal playing Tottenham. No, it's never no gonna, exactly. It's just a false atmosphere if it's like that otherwise. <clears throat> and it is very ironic that all of this practice was done and then Arteta is the one that actually flares the atmosphere up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which I still, I'm still a bit hesitant on that because I also don't think he should stand there and let Klopp run all over him. So it is a really tough one to manage for him. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, um, is it because of the result? It looks like he basically got baited, doesn't it? But yeah, in reality, he basically had to stand up for his team. He had to do this, and maybe at your gaff, that would have actually played out in his favour. Would have got your fans up for it and, and yeah. would have played out. Um, yeah, considering he's made a big thing of the occasion and, and where you're at, yeah. he maybe should read it, but I, I thought he probably had. It was just unfortunate that at that point there had started to be a bit of a lull, hunt there? And then that really kicked it back into action. Yeah, yeah it was rough. And, uh, and, and really kicked us on. But not, I'm not being sort of arrogant here. That might have been the result anyway. Yeah, yeah. So definitely. It's I not, said that at the time. It wasn't like you got ran over even in terms of the scoreline. So you, you could, it could easily have gone that way. It did remind me just how dirty that bastard Mane is. How Klopp's even complaining about that at the time. The bloke was lucky to still be on the pitch for the header 10 minutes later. Well, the thing is, you know, I've never liked that Mane. I've washed my hands of him entirely. <laughs> um, we Look, we sold him specifically because of stuff like this. We don't know. We can't put up with this. He's got to go. He fell into the sun bracket. If people, well, Mane isn't really like that. And it's like, watch him against your team. And suddenly you realise. Yeah, I, I do think a lot of his are, uh, I wouldn't say are quite as cynical. As, I think some, some of Sons are really genuinely quite cynical. I wouldn't say some of Mane's are quite as cynical, but he's, once you've done, I don't know, four or five and got away with it, we're going to start looking at it going, well, if I can put one down as a mistake, <laughs> I probably can't at this point. Yeah. Thank God he's gone. Him and Kasper wow. Schmeichel in the same window is... <laughs> Beautiful. Unfortunately, yeah, the, we do just get run over after this. Jota does what he does against us every single time. And is this the one where Ramsdale says embarrassing? Or is, oh, is that the Everton game? No, that's, that's definitely the Everton one. Okay, so after yeah. this one, he just kind of puts his head down, doesn't he? And Arteta says... Look, we were on a good run. We held them for 45 minutes. <laughs> we go again next week. I can't tell you what a buzz. That sort of just shell shot look that your team had. <laughs> I can't, that did give me a sick buzz. I can't lie to you. It's uh, yeah, quite a feeling. That. Well, that is obviously what we assume happens when teams play Liverpool. Just we don't often see the aftermath of it. Yeah, this, essentially, this is exactly. Yeah, you're exactly right. Sometimes we see it on the pitch with some teams. Um, in this case, yeah, like you said, we, we would never normally see the aftermath. But as a, I'm sure a bit of a painful one for you, but it was an interest. That's an interesting, I think, angle to see, like because obviously you've hit a bit of form by this point, and so to see this, well, we were of, the two most informed teams in the league. Yeah, to see that sort of being brought back down to earth for a bump was. Uh, was interested in how they're going to have to pick themselves up was as a behind the scenes documentary. I think those are the sort of things I would, I would want to see. 
you know, we'd, we'd always say when you see a boxer after a fight and they say it looks bad in the ring and we go, I'm going to wait to see what they look like tomorrow morning. This was the tomorrow morning. Like they've, when they've gone through the dressing room doors. Because in contrast to the next game, when there's all shouting and screaming, after this one, they're all like, well, I don't want to say anything here because probably the, anyone that says something is just going to go, well, on. what were you doing out there? They should have just all turned and just eaten Nuno. <laughs> Singled yeah. him out. Yeah, I think I think his Rams had a brace of size in it. He goes like, we'll have to fucking pick ourselves up for next week or something, isn't it? It's like that's probably the tack. Just go, yeah, just move up, move on from it because it, it does look. I know I'm hamming it up a little bit. A, a genuine sort of shell shock, sort of a uh, sort of thousand yard stair things going on with some of them, isn't there? Where you probably just got to yeah. go right. We got to snap you out of this and, and go again. Yeah, and then the, the final one to speak about in uh, a brutal episode. note to end an episode on this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We've got well, they they gloss over the United loss, don't they, and the win over Newcastle. <laughs> yeah, I just think they, okay, we're just gonna skirt, we're gonna skirt past those. And that the United and Everton losses. When I actually look back on the season, the Spurs one at the end of the season was horrible. Um, but I kind of in my head was like, well, they're sending off. I didn't agree with the elbow, and the Newcastle one just hurt more. <laughs> with the United and the Everton ones, they're both so shit. That I'll be on my deathbed looking back at how we did not get three points against those two teams. The the Everton one really, I I, I think scientists will study it. Like, I forgot how. how late it was in the game yeah. that they get the equaliser. Now I know Richarlison had already had two disallowed by that point. Yeah, yeah. But as we know, we're, I'd already had a rough day at that point. <laughs> that had only got worse. First, yeah. Um. This uh, this that won me a sneaky bet just to really oh, really um, yeah. rub it in for you. This was Damari Gray had a good three months, didn't he? And then didn't really do anything after that. But this was probably the beat moment. Who's in charge at this point? It's still Rafa, isn't it? Okay, yeah, Rafa, I couldn't get my head around. Uh, I kept I had Carlo in my head, and I knew it wasn't because it. Because this is the thing that's so inexplicable about this result is. It's all going to set forever, and they dig this out. Yeah, <laughs> what we did him uh, a good. One. I noticed they didn't show Tomiyasu's face being trod on here. They left that out. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a very good point actually, because that is brutal. We should have had how angry they were with the referee and everything, but no. Um, that was a really bad one, Christ. And then Arteta does the I prefer not to speak. I don't want to say anything. I regret. So I won't say anything, and he just walks off. And yeah, then... but bear, bear in mind, I obviously know he doesn't. I felt genuinely nervous Arteta might kill someone in there. <laughs> when he walked in, <laughs> he starts moving that rival. Like, what is he about to do with us? Well, he, he can't leave either, so he just walks and stands in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very much, I think everything in most of what he's doing is very planned, coordinated, telegraphed. He's walking in like, I don't know what I'm about to do it. <laughs> well, that's not what he says to them. Isn't a new thing. If you remember when Gwendozi was exiled from the team and I was mm. still a bit hesitant on there, but he hits Mope after the game and Arteta says, well, we had 90 minutes to react and we didn't. And Arteta says when Ramsdale shouted in the dressing room, it's the reaction need was needed out there. Now I'm not sure what Ramsdale was supposed to do in terms of winning the ball back in, closing down and all of this 
it's a fair point, but at the same time, just because the game's finished, does he want them all sat there in silence? No, I think I did like the point he was making though, because I think you have had too many players who are very, like I said, demonstrative after the event. Um, and he obviously doesn't want that. He wants you obviously, you know, if you want to have an emotional outburst, whatever, do it whilst you're you're playing. You fuel that. Don't uh, don't do it out of the game. So I, I do get the point he's making. Um, I think he quite likes the Ramsdale actually dug him out as well. I think when you look at how he he looked at it, I think he um, like you said, Ramsdale isn't really to blame for it. So I think he was glad no. that it was him. Yeah, because Demario Gray hits the bar first, doesn't he? And then it's nodded over him, and then he just hits a banger. He's never struck a ball like that in his life. And then that's in the back of the net afterwards. The sympathiser that Phil Jagielka doing that to us was (laughs) truly, truly incredible. Yeah, I did also. Obviously, it's starting to go wrong for Aubameyang here. I did forget that when they basically like responded to. Um, when it was put to him about Aubameyang being taken off and Arteta's basically gone oh look it could be worse he could just not be in the squad but oh yeah he says, yeah, yeah. He says to him uh, do, you, do, you, do you think you embarrassed him and he says well if that's embarrassing for him think how embarrassing it is to the people that aren't in the squad <laughs> yeah which I did think was kind of an incredible shot if you were a squad player like, well the next oh, the-, the next shot they show is Eddie getting on the coach <laughs> <laughs> Because this was the whole thing Eddie had when he was being interviewed at his contracts. And he said, well, they keep telling me how much he appreciates me and how good I am, but I've not been in a match squad. He wasn't in a match squad until like the second half of the season properly. I said it at the time, but Arteta doing the full pep of, uh, I just feel so sorry for this guy. <laughs> like he doesn't pick the team. <laughs> I'm telling you, the end of last season and pre-season does have me genuinely convinced that Eddie is like, he's ready to blow. Like we've yeah. just unearthed. And I know that's going to go wrong as soon as he starts playing again. But like there was a point where I nearly got him on the back of my shirt. This year. <laughs> <laughs> I have one other thing about this whole end of Everton thing. But anyone like Goodison's a kind of a, a smaller old stadium, quite close knit. How fucking big is that away dressing room? Especially when you compare it to some of the others, because Anfield was the only other one that looked like it wasn't a PE changing room. And bearing in mind that was like, well known for with the renovations that they made that bigger. It was previously like purposely basically a closet. It basically crammed people into Anfield because it's a, a you know an older stadium. The one that left so, it looked like a function suite. So I thought Goodison, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought the Goodison one would be that, but there was a fucking echo when I yeah, yeah. spoken there. You think this room's massive? It's just in a circle. They had three physios yeah. beds in there. At the end of the game, you want it to be, it's to be a big room. Christ, you yeah. want to hide. Yeah, I, I think the the next moment I'm looking forward to is whatever Arteta says at halftime in that Wolves game, if you can remember, where we get the last minute goal. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I have a feeling that picture of the wolves might come back out, but I'm incredibly nervous. We get another three episodes next week, then two the week after. Okay. Nice. So I think that just about does us. Excellent. Hopefully people have this on on their Friday mornings at work after watching this evening, but thank you again for listening to another edition of spitballing pod. We'll be back next week. Goodbye.